Welcome to Hold Fast, a radio outreach ministry of Golgotha Fellowship in Nampa, Idaho. Join us as Pastor Marty teaches us verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, through the Word of God. To listen to any of these messages in their entirety or to find out more about our fellowship, please visit GolgothaFellowship.org. Let's listen in to today's message, and may the Lord richly bless you. What have I to ask beside? Can I doubt His tender mercy? Who through life has been my guide? Okay, and what did he say about the birds of the air in his first parable? And don't panic, we're not going backwards in the book of Mark. I'm just, just a reference, okay? But in verses 3 and 4, this is what Jesus said. Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. These are not good. Not only that, but he gives us the interpretation in verse 14 and 15. The sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. And so while some want to say this is a beautiful image of the kingdom of God growing and everyone being comforted by its shade and all this stuff, you know, we see this kind of doctrine in the world today. And it also tells us that it's going to get harder and things are going to get more difficult. It doesn't say it's going to get better and beautiful and all of these things. It says it will get harder and more difficult, but Jesus Christ will return one day and set up his kingdom and we will rule and reign with him. But it breaks my heart that people look at passages like this and misinterpret them. Because here's what we know. These birds represent the workers of Satan. And a mustard seed is not intended to grow to a mighty giant tree. That's abnormal growth. That's what that's saying there. And so we know in church history, this is what's happened to the church. There's been abnormal growth. And we've seen a lot of crazy things happen in this wild tree full of religion and hierarchy. Man-centered religion is evil because this is what it does. It elevates man above God. It creates processes that diminish his word and diminish our Savior and raise men up. And it makes them abuse power and seek after money and riches And when you look at what the church has become, the so-called church, and I say so-called church because don't be mistaken, they can call themselves the church all day long, but they're not really of Jesus Christ. Because we know there are different cults and denominations out there that teach a lie. They're everywhere. Think of how big the umbrella of Christianity has become. Think about that. Supposedly the largest religion in the world. And then start to break it down. Go look at the statistics of those who truly believe the Word of God is the Word of God. And they hold to a literal interpretation. And that they believe Jesus is going to set up His kingdom here on earth. All of these things. It's a, it is amazing how few Christians believe that these days. And so we know this is true. The church has become a monstrosity under the label, the church. And we know the workers of Satan have infiltrated And notice in verse 32, it says they're in the shade. They're in the darkness. They lurk in the shadows because they like the shadows. But Jesus is warning us that abnormal, unhealthy, unchecked growth will happen in the church and the agents of Satan will find their way in. It's just like here, you know, this little congregation, this fellowship. 
I'm always on guard looking for the birds. You know, and that's not a threat or anything. Like, and don't be paranoid, you know. We all have issues and mistakes and do all those things. But, you know, there's a difference. When people come into the flock of God and they start to do evil and wicked things and they try to draw people unto themselves and they try to teach a false gospel, they're going to be dealt with. Because we as a leadership are not going to put up with it. And again, it's not a threat. We'll do it in a loving way. We'll try to preach them the gospel and reach them for the king. We must hold to the word of God especially in these days. If we don't, it's to our own peril. But then, here's the thing. As we continue on in this chapter, Jesus is going to transition once again, and he's going to go from these parables. And this is what I love. He tells us again why he teaches by parables, and then we're going to see he gives the people of God the ability to apply things practically. But look at verse 33 and 34. And with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. And that's key as they were able to hear it. Verse 34, but without a parable, he did not speak to them. And when they were alone, he explained all things to his disciples. He was so patient with them. And you know what? He's so patient with us. He'll do the same thing. Study the word, seek it out, do what you can. He'll reveal the truth to you. His Holy Spirit, he promised that he would do that. But I love because Jesus, we're reminded of why he taught by parables. Remember, first it was so that any who had ears to hear would hear that those who would believe in him would seek after him. And isn't that the word of God for us? You study a little bit and it whets your appetite. It causes you to study it more. You want more. And that's why he taught in parables. He would give them a doorway to enter in if they had ears to hear. But then remember, he also taught in parables so that those who were already destined for hell, who had made up their mind, whose hearts were, hearts were hard, that he wouldn't heap condemnation upon them. It was an act of mercy. He wouldn't teach them plainly because that would just be putting more judgment and more punishment upon them. And so he taught parables for this reason. But now, like I said, those who have been listening and learning from Jesus are now going to get the beautiful privilege of applying what they've learned. And as the old saying goes, a faith that has not been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. Now, I have to say, that is true to one aspect, but I be careful with that statement too. Because childlike faith, I've seen so many new believers that just have childlike faith. It's a beautiful thing. But in a general principle, for those of us who have been believers a while, we know that a faith that has not been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. And Jesus is going to test his disciples here. And I love this, though, because when we step out in faith and when we apply the word of God, there is blessings for each one of us. But look at this, verses 35 through 38. On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with them. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Oh, man, I love this passage. It's just, I can relate so much, can't you? This passage is so great. So remember, Jesus was teaching from a boat. He did that so he wouldn't be pressed in by the crowds. He was teaching so that he could reach the people so they wouldn't press in on him. He gets done teaching for the day. He's been teaching all day. He's exhausted. He says, let's go over to the other side. Now remember, he told them, let's cross over to the other side. When Jesus says, let's do something, we should do it. There's the first lesson. But when he says, let's cross over to the other side, it's going to happen. See, the disciples forget this. That Jesus said, we're going to the other side. And if Jesus says, you're going to the other side, guess what? 
Yeah, there you go. I like that. We, we should do more of this interactive stuff. What do you think? They're going to go to the other side, but they forgot. And you know, the, the Sea of Galilee, which is really a lake, it's about 13 miles long, about seven or eight miles wide. Most scholars believe where they crossed over is about five miles wide. But it's known for its, its quick and fast-moving windstorms. And it's, it's something that happens a lot on, those, on that sea. But, you know, if you go to Israel, they found one of these first-century uh, fishermen boats. They're bigger than I thought. They, you could fit about 20 people on them. They're actually decent size. But it says here that there were also little boats with them. But this is what I love. It says that a great windstorm arose. The Greek word there is megas, which means it was a mega storm. It's the same word that's used for a tempest or a hurricane. We just saw the hurricanes on the news. I mean, that's, that's crazy, right? All of the damage. Now, it probably wasn't to those gale force winds, but it, it probably was 70 to 90 mile an hour wind is what most scholars suggest. It's sinking the boats. And remember, these are seasoned fishermen. They've been on the Sea of Galilee their whole lives, and they're panicking. You know, at one time I was on an airplane, and we hit turbulence, and the flight attendants flew up in the air. People who weren't fastened in their seat flew up in the air. It was like they floated for a minute and then crashed to the ground and all this other stuff crashed. And uh, it happened again. And you know there's an issue when the flight attendants go strap themselves in and they have their faces are pale. And I thought, okay, this is a good time to pray. I mean, I was praying out loud. You know, there's a time when you will sow seed, let me tell you. And uh, it was, I never wanted to fly after that, you know. And it's, it's like, and, you know, I'm going to ruin flying for all of you. You know, my dad used to say he didn't want to fly. And I said, Dad, if it's your time, it's your time. He said, okay, but have you thought about this? What if you're on an airplane, there's 200 people, and it's 199 people's time to go, but it's not yours. I don't want to go along for the ride. I was like, okay, fine, you ruined it. You ruined it. But you know, these fishermen are pale-faced. They're scared. And they were used to this stuff, so it was a storm of some, of some kind. And you know, this happens in a believer's life, in new believers' lives, in any of us who've been believers. You know, we're, we're going along, we're trying to serve the Lord, and then a storm comes, and it rages. And it causes us to doubt at times. It causes us to, to cry out, Where are you, Lord? Where are you? You know, and that's kind of what we're seeing here. Sometimes, like his disciples, we react in a way we shouldn't. The disciples, they talk to Jesus, but they don't come with a prayerful request. Hey, Lord, can you help us, please? They accuse him. They have an accusation against him. Because what was happening is Jesus was on full display with his human side. Remember this, he had to be fully human to pay for our sins, to be the propitiation of our sins. We had, a, we had to have a human savior. So he was born of Mary. He was fully human. But to live a perfect life, to walk a perfect life, he had to be fully God. He was Emmanuel, God with us. That hypostatic union of fully God, fully man, a mystery we can't understand. He was both. He had a heavenly father and an earthly mother. He was both. But in this hypostatic union, he's displaying his human side. Have you ever been so tired that you could sleep through anything? I remember I had a, another flight story. I, 40 hours I was up. It was a trip to D.C. and New York, and I was exhausted. I was up for f over 40 hours straight. And on the flight back home, we had one of the... This has been Hold Fast, a radio outreach ministry of Golgotha Fellowship in Nampa, Idaho. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to hear this message again, or any other in their entirety, please visit GolgothaFellowship.org. Our fellowship meets in Southeast Nampa, and our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. For more information visit our website.
Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you. Hi folks, Pastor Marty here. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the teaching today. You know, it's my prayer that it's encouraged you to continue faithfully in the study of God's Word. I think it's so crucially important that these days the body of Christ stay in grounded and anchored in the Word of God as the world around us is sinking in the waves of false doctrine and the opinions of men. If you are seeking a church family, a church home, and you live in the Southeast Nampa area, I want to personally invite you. Our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. and we currently meet at East Valley Middle School. That's right off Greenhurst and Happy Valley. If you want to find out more, if you have any questions, you need directions, you want to catch up on a message, or if you have a prayer request, just go to our website, GolgothaFellowship.org. Let me help you spell that. It's G-O-L-G-O-T-H-A Fellowship.org. Until next time, may God bless you and remember to hold fast.